Chapter Five of *The Great Gatsby* by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. When I came home to West Egg that night, I was afraid for a moment that my house was on fire. Two o'clock, and the whole corner of the peninsula was blazing with light, which fell unreal on the shrubbery and made thin, elongating glints upon the roadside wires. Turning a corner, I saw that it was Gatsby's house, lit from tower to cellar at first i thought it was another party a wild rout that had resolved itself into hide-and-go-seek or sardines in the box with all the house thrown open to the game but there wasn't a sound only wind in the trees which blew the wires and made the lights go off and on again as if the house had winked into the darkness as my taxi groaned away i saw gatsby walking toward me across his lawn your place looks like the world's fair i said does it he turned his eyes toward it absently. I've been glancing into some of the rooms. Let's go to Coney Island, old sport, in my car. It's too late. Well, suppose we take a plunge in the swimming pool. I haven't made use of it all summer. I've got to go to bed. All right, he waited, looking at me with suppressed eagerness. I talked with Miss Baker, I said after a moment. I'm going to call up Daisy tomorrow and invite her over here to tea oh that's all right he said carelessly i don't want to put you to any trouble what day would suit you what day would suit you he corrected me quickly i don't want to put you to any trouble you see how about the day after tomorrow he considered for a moment then with reluctance i want to get the grass cut he said we both looked down at the grass there was a sharp line where my ragged lawn ended and the darker well-kept expanse of his began I suspected that he meant my grass. "'There's another little thing,' he said uncertainly, and hesitated. "'Would you rather put it off for a few days?' I asked. "'Oh, it isn't about that. At least—' He fumbled with a series of beginnings. "'Why, I thought—why, look here, old sport, you don't make much money, do you?' "'Not very much.' This seemed to reassure him, and he continued more confidently. "'I thought you didn't if you'll pardon my—you see, I carry on a little business on the side, a sort of sideline, you understand. I thought that if you don't make very much—you're selling bonds, aren't you, old sport? Trying to. Well, this would interest you. It wouldn't take up much of your time, and you might pick up a nice bit of money. It happens to be a rather confidential sort of thing. I realize now that under different circumstances that conversation might have been one of the crises of my life but because the offer was obviously and tactlessly for a service to be rendered i had no choice except to cut him off there i've got my hands full i said i'm much obliged but i couldn't take on any more work you wouldn't have to do any business with wolfsheim evidently he thought that i was shying away from the connection mentioned at lunch but i assured him he was wrong he waited a moment longer hoping i'd begin a conversation but I was too absorbed to be responsive, so he went unwillingly home. The evening had made me light-headed and happy. I think I walked into a deep sleep as I entered my front door, so I don't know whether or not Gatsby went to Coney Island or for how many hours he glanced into rooms while his house blazed gaudily on. I called up Daisy from the office next morning and invited her to come to tea. Don't bring Tom, I warned her. What? don't bring tom who's tom she asked innocently the day agreed upon was pouring rain at eleven o'clock a man in a raincoat dragging a lawnmower tapped at my front door and said that mr gatsby had sent him over to cut my grass this reminded me that i had forgotten to tell my finn to come back so i drove into west egg village to search for her among soggy whitewashed alleys and to buy some cups and lemons and flowers the flowers were unnecessary, for at two o'clock a greenhouse arrived from Gatsby's, with innumerable receptacles to contain it. An hour later, the front door opened nervously, and Gatsby, in a white flannel suit, silver shirt, and gold-colored tie, hurried in. He was pale, and there were dark signs of sleeplessness beneath his eyes. "'Is everything all right?' he asked immediately. "'The grass looks fine, if that's what you mean.' "'What grass?' he inquired blankly. Oh, the grass in the yard. He looked out the window at it, but judging from his expression, I don't believe he saw a thing. Looks very good, 
he remarked vaguely one of the papers said they thought the rain would stop about four i think it was the journal have you got everything you need in the shape of of tea i took him into the pantry where he looked a little reproachfully at the fin together we scrutinized the twelve lemon cakes from the delicatessen shop will they do i asked of course of course they're fine and he added hollowly old sport the rain cooled about half-past three to a damp mist through which occasional thin drops swam like dew gatsby looked with vacant eyes through a copy of clay's economics starting at the finished tread that shook the kitchen floor and peering towards the bleared windows from time to time as if a series of invisible but alarming happenings were taking place outside finally he got up and informed me in an uncertain voice that he was going home why's that nobody's coming to tea it's too late he looked at his watch as if there was some pressing demand on his time elsewhere i can't wait all day don't be silly it's just two minutes to four he sat down miserably as if i had pushed him and simultaneously there was the sound of a motor turning into my lane we both jumped up and a little harrowed myself i went out into the yard under the dripping bare lilac trees a large open car was coming up the drive it stopped daisy's face tipped sideways beneath a three-cornered lavender hat looked out at me with a bright ecstatic smile is this absolutely where you live my dearest one the exhilarating ripple of her voice was a wild tonic in the rain i had to follow the sound of it for a moment up and down with my ear alone before any words came through a damp streak of hair lay like a dash of blue paint across her cheek and her hand was wet with glistening drops as i took it to help her from the car are you in love with me she said low in my ear or why did i have to come alone that's the secret of castle rack rent tell your chauffeur to go far away and spend an hour come back in an hour ferdy then in a grave murmur his name is ferdy does the gasoline affect his nose i don't think so she said innocently why we went in to my overwhelming surprise the living-room was deserted well that's funny i exclaimed what's funny she turned her head as there was a light dignified knocking at the front door i went out and opened it gatsby pale as death with his hands plunged like weights in his coat pockets was standing in a puddle of water glaring tragically into my eyes with his hands still in his coat pockets he stalked by me into the hall turned sharply as if he were on a wire and disappeared into the living-room it wasn't a bit funny aware of the loud beating of my own heart i pulled the door to against the increasing rain for half a minute there wasn't a sound then from the living-room i heard a sort of choking murmur and part of a laugh followed by daisy's voice on a clear artificial note i certainly am awfully glad to see you again a pause it endured horribly i had nothing to do in the hall so i went into the room gatsby his hands still in his pockets was reclined against the mantelpiece in a strained counterfeit of perfect ease even of boredom his head leaned back so far that it rested against the face of a defunct mantelpiece clock and from this position his distraught eyes stared down at daisy who was sitting frightened but graceful on the edge of a stiff chair we've met before muttered gatsby his eyes glanced momentarily at me and his lips parted with an abortive attempt at a laugh luckily the clock took this moment to tilt dangerously at the pressure of his head whereupon he turned and caught it with trembling fingers and set it back in place then he sat down rigidly his elbows on the arm of the sofa and his chin in his hand i'm sorry about the clock he said my own face had now assumed a deep tropical burn i couldn't muster up a single commonplace out of the thousand in my head it's an old clock i told him idiotically i think we all believed for a moment that it had smashed in pieces on the floor we haven't meant for many years said daisy her voice as matter-of-fact as it could ever be five years next november the automatic quality of gatsby's answer set us all back at least another minute i had them both on their feet with a desperate suggestion that they help me make tea in the kitchen when the demoniac finn brought it in on a tray amid the welcome confusion of cups and cakes a certain physical decency established itself 
gatsby got himself into a shadow and while daisy and i talked looked conscientiously from one to the other of us with tense unhappy eyes however as calmness wasn't an end in itself i made an excuse at the first possible moment and got to my feet where are you going demanded gatsby in immediate alarm i'll be back i've got to speak to you about something before you go he followed me wildly into the kitchen closed the door and whispered oh god in a miserable way what's the matter this is a terrible mistake he said shaking his head from side to side a terrible terrible mistake you're just embarrassed that's all and luckily i added daisy's embarrassed too she's embarrassed he repeated incredulously just as much as you are don't talk so loud you're acting like a little boy i broke out impatiently not only that but you're rude daisy's sitting in there all alone he raised his hand to stop my words looked at me with unforgettable reproach and opening the door cautiously went back into the other room i walked out the back way just as gatsby had when he had made his nervous circuit of the house half an hour before and ran for a huge black knotted tree whose massed leaves made a fabric against the rain once more it was pouring and my irregular lawn well shaved by gatsby's gardener abounded in small muddy swamps and prehistoric marshes there was nothing to look at from under the tree except gatsby's enormous house so i stared at it like kant at his church steeple for half an hour a brewer had built it early in the period craze a decade before and there was a story that he'd agreed to pay five years taxes on all the neighboring cottages if the owners would have their roofs thatched with straw perhaps their refusal took the heart out of his plan to found a family so he went into an immediate decline his children sold his house with the black wreath still on the door americans while willing even eager to be serfs have always been obstinate about being peasantry after half an hour the sun shone again and the grocer's automobile rounded gatsby's drive with the raw material for his servant's dinner i felt sure he wouldn't eat a spoonful a maid began opening the upper windows of his house appeared momentarily in each and leaning from the large central bay spat meditatively into the garden it was time i went back while the rain continued it had seemed like the murmur of their voices rising and swelling a little now and then with gusts of emotion but in the new silence i felt that silence had fallen within the house too i went in after making every possible noise in the kitchen short of pushing over the stove but i don't believe they heard a sound they were sitting at either end of the couch looking at each other as if some question had been asked or was in the air and every vestige of embarrassment was gone daisy's face was smeared with tears and when i came in she jumped up and began wiping at it with her handkerchief before a mirror but there was a change in gatsby that was simply confounding he literally glowed without a word or a gesture of exultation a new well-being radiated from him and filled the little room oh hello old sport he said as if he hadn't seen me for years i thought for a moment he was going to shake hands it stopped raining has it when he realized what i was talking about that there were twinkle bells of sunshine in the room he smiled like a weatherman like an ecstatic patron of recurrent light and repeated the news to daisy what do you think of that it stopped raining i'm glad jay her throat full of aching grieving beauty told only of her unexpected joy i want you and daisy to come over to my house he said i'd like to show her around you're sure you want me to come absolutely old sport daisy went upstairs to wash her face too late i thought with humiliation of my towels while gatsby and i waited on the lawn my house looks well doesn't it he demanded see how the whole front of it catches the light i agreed that it was splendid yes his eyes went over at every arch door and square tower it took me just three years to earn the money that bought it i thought you inherited your money i did old sport he said automatically but i lost most of it in the big panic the panic of the war i think he hardly knew what he was saying for when i asked him what business he was in he answered that's my affair 
before he realized that it wasn't an appropriate reply. Oh, I've been in several things, he corrected himself. I was in the drug business and that I was in the oil business, but I'm not in either one now. He looked at me with more attention. Do you mean you've been thinking over what I proposed the other night? Before I could answer, Daisy came out of the house and two rows of brass buttons on her dress gleamed in the sunlight. That huge place there? she cried, pointing. Do you like it? I love it, but I don't see how you live there all alone. I keep it always full of interesting people day and night, people who do interesting things, celebrated people. Instead of taking the shortcut along the sound, we went down to the road and entered by the big postern. With enchanting murmurs, Daisy admired this aspect or that of the feudal silhouette against the sky, admired the gardens, the sparkling odor of the jonquils, and the frothy odor of hawthorn and plum blossoms, and the pale gold odor of kiss me at the gate. It was strange to reach the marble steps and find no stir of bright dresses in and out the door, and hear no sound but bird voices in the trees and inside, as we wandered through Marie Antoinette music rooms and restoration salons, I felt that there were guests concealed behind every couch and table, under orders to be breathlessly silent until we had passed through. As Gatsby closed the door of the Merton College Library, I could have sworn I heard the allied man break into ghostly laughter. We went upstairs through period bedrooms, swathed in rose and lavender silk, and vivid with new flowers, through dressing-rooms and pool-rooms and bathrooms with sunken baths, intruding into one chamber where a disheveled man in pajamas was doing liver exercises on the floor. It was Mr. Kilpspringer, the boarder. I had seen him wandering hungrily about the beach that morning. Finally we came into Gatsby's own apartment, a bedroom and a bath, and an Adam's study, where we sat down and drank a glass of some chartreuse he took from a cupboard in the wall. He hadn't once ceased looking at Daisy, and I think he revalued everything in his house according to the measure of response it drew from her well-loved eyes. Sometimes, too, he stared around at his possessions in a dazed way, as though in her actual and astounding presence none of it was any longer real. Once he nearly toppled down a flight of stairs. His bedroom was the simplest room of all, except where the dresser was garnished with a toilet set out of pure dull gold. Daisy took the brush with delight and smoothed her hair, whereupon Gatsby sat down and shaded his eyes and began to laugh. "'It's the funniest thing, old sport,' he said hilariously. "'I can't, when I try to.' He had passed visibly through two states and was entering upon a third— after his embarrassment and his unreasoning joy, he was consumed with wonder at her presence. He had been full of the idea so long, dreamed it right through to the end, waited with his teeth set, so to speak, at an inconceivable pitch of intensity. Now, in the reaction, he was running down like an overwound clock. Recovering himself in a minute, he opened for us two hulking patent cabinets, which held his massed suits and dressing gowns and ties, and his shirts piled like bricks in stacks a dozen high. I've got a man in England who buys me clothes. He sends over a selection of things at the beginning of each season, spring and fall. He took out a pile of shirts and began throwing them one by one before us, shirts of sheer linen and thick silk and fine flannel which lost their folds as they fell and covered the table in many-colored disarray. While we admired, he brought more and the soft rich heap mounted higher, shirts with stripes and scrolls and plaids in coral and apple green and lavender and faint orange with monograms of Indian blue. Suddenly, with a strange sound, Daisy bent her head into the shirts and began to cry stormily. "'They're such beautiful shirts,' she sobbed, her voice muffled in the thick folds. "'It makes me sad, because I've never seen such, such beautiful shirts before.' After the house, we were to see the grounds and the swimming pool and the hydroplane and the midsummer flowers, but outside Gatsby's window it began to rain again, so we stood in a row, looking at the corrugated surface of the sound. "'If it wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the bay,' said Gatsby. "'You always have a green light that burns all night at the end of your dock.' Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, 
but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said possibly it had occurred to him that the colossal significance of that light had now vanished forever compared to the great distance that had separated him from daisy it had seemed very near to her almost touching her it had seemed as close as a star to the moon now it was again a green light on a dock his count of enchanted objects had diminished by one i began to walk about the room examining various indefinite objects in the half-darkness a large photograph of an elderly man in yachting costume attracted me hung on the wall over his desk who's this that that's mr dan cody old sport the name sounded faintly familiar he's dead now he used to be my best friend years ago there was a small picture of gatsby also in yachting costume on the bureau gatsby with his head thrown back defiantly taken apparently when he was about eighteen i adore it exclaimed daisy the pompadour you never told me you had a pompadour or a yacht look at this said gatsby quickly here's a lot of clippings about you they stood side by side examining it i was going to ask to see the rubies when the phone rang and gatsby took up the receiver yes well i can't talk now i can't talk now old sport i said a small town he must know what a small town is well he's no use to us if detroit is his idea of a small town he rang off come here quick cried daisy at the window the rain was still falling but the darkness had parted in the west and there was a pink and golden billow of foamy clouds above the sea look at that she whispered and then after a moment i'd like to just get one of those pink clouds and put you in it and push you around i tried to go then but they wouldn't hear of it perhaps my presence made them feel more satisfactorily alone i know what we'll do said gatsby we'll have kilpspringer play the piano he went out of the room calling ewing and returned in a few minutes accompanied by an embarrassed slightly worn young man with shell-rimmed glasses and scanty blond hair he was now decently clothed in a sport shirt open at the neck sneakers and duck trousers of a nebulous hue did we interrupt your exercise inquired daisy politely i was asleep cried mr kilpspringer in a spasm of embarrassment that is i'd been asleep then i got up kilpspringer plays the piano said gatsby cutting him off don't you ewing old sport i don't play well i don't hardly play at all i'm all out of prac we'll go downstairs interrupted gatsby he flipped a switch the gray windows disappeared as the house glowed full of light in the music room gatsby turned on a solitary lamp beside the piano he lit daisy's cigarette from a trembling match and sat down with her on a couch far across the room where there was no light save what the gleaming floor bounced in from the hall when kilpspringer had played the love nest he turned round on the bench and searched unhappily for gatsby in the gloom i'm all out of practice you see i told you i couldn't play i'm all out of prac don't talk so much old sport commanded gatsby play in the morning in the evening ain't we got fun outside the wind was loud and there was a faint glowing of thunder along the sound all the lights were going on in west egg now the electric trains men carrying were plunging home through the rain from new york it was the hour of a profound human change and excitement was generating on the air one thing's sure and nothing's sure the rich get richer and the poor get children in the meantime in between time as i went over to say good-bye i saw that the expression of bewilderment had come back into gatsby's face as though a faint doubt had occurred to him as to the quality of his present happiness almost five years there must have been moments even that afternoon when daisy tumbled short of his dreams not through her own fault but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion it had gone beyond her beyond everything he had thrown himself into it with a creative passion adding to it all the time decking it out with every bright feather that drifted his way no amount of fire or freshness can challenge what a man can store up in his ghostly heart as i watched him he adjusted himself a little visibly 
His hand took hold of hers, and as she said something low in his ear, he turned toward her with a rush of emotion. I think that voice held him most, with its fluctuating feverish warmth, because it couldn't be over-dreamed. That voice was a deathless song. They had forgotten me, but Daisy glanced up and held out her hand. Gatsby didn't know me now at all. I looked once more at them, and they looked back at me, remotely, possessed by intense life. Then I went out of the room and down the marble steps into the rain, leaving them there together. End of chapter 5《Chapter Six of the Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. About this time, an ambitious young reporter from New York arrived one morning at Gatsby's door and asked him if he had anything to say. Anything to say about what? inquired Gatsby politely. Why, any statement to give out. It transpired after a confused five minutes that the man had heard Gatsby's name around his office in a connection which he either wouldn't reveal or didn't fully understand. This was his day off, and with laudable initiative, he had hurried out to see. It was a random shot, and yet the reporter's instinct was right. Gatsby's notoriety, spread about by the hundreds who had accepted his hospitality and become authorities upon his past, had increased all summer until he fell just short of being news. Contemporary legends, such as the underground pipeline to Canada, attached themselves to him, and there was one persistent story that he didn't live in a house at all, but in a boat that looked like a house and was moved secretly up and down the Long Island shore. Just why these inventions were a source of satisfaction to James Gatz of North Dakota isn't easy to say. James Gatz that was really, or at least legally, his name. He had changed it at the age of seventeen and at the specific moment that witnessed the beginning of his career. When he saw Dan Cody's yacht drop anchor over the most insidious flat on Lake Superior. It was James Gatz who had been loafing along the beach that afternoon in a torn green jersey and a pair of canvas pants. But it was already Jay Gatsby who borrowed a rowboat, pulled out to the Tuolumne, and informed Cody that a wind might catch him and break him up in half an hour. I suppose he'd had the name ready for a long time, even then. His parents were shiftless and unsuccessful farm people. His imagination had never really accepted them as his parents at all. The truth was that Jay Gatsby of West Egg, Long Island, sprang from his platonic conception of himself. He was a son of God, a phrase which, if it means anything, means just that. And he must be about his father's business, the service of a vast, vulgar, and meretricious beauty. So he invented just the sort of Jay Gatsby that a seventeen-year-old boy would be likely to invent, and to this conception he was faithful to the end. For over a year he had been beating his way along the south shore of Lake Superior as a clam digger and a salmon fisher or in any other capacity that brought him food and bed. His brown, hardening body lived naturally through the half-fierce, half-lazy world of the bracing days. He knew women early, and since they spoiled him, he became contemptuous of them, of young virgins because they were ignorant, of the others because they were hysterical about things which, in his overwhelming self-absorption, he took for granted. But his heart was in a constant turbulent riot, the most grotesque and fantastic conceits haunted him in his bed at night. A universe of ineffable gaudiness spun itself out in his brain, while the clock ticked on the washstand and the moon soaked with wet light his tangled clothes upon the floor. Each night he added to the pattern of his fancies until drowsiness closed down upon some vivid scene with an oblivious embrace. For a while these reveries provided an outlet for his imagination— they were a satisfactory hint of the unreality of reality, a promise that the rock of the world was founded securely on a fairy's wing. An instinct toward his future glory had led him, some months before, to the small Lutheran college of St. Olaf's in southern Minnesota. He stayed there two weeks, dismayed at its ferocious indifference to the drums of his destiny, to destiny itself, 
and despising the janitor's work with which he was to pay his way through then he drifted back to lake superior and he was still searching for something to do on the day that dan cody's yacht dropped anchor in the shallows along shore cody was fifty years old then a product of the nevada silver fields of the yukon of every rush for metal since seventy five the transactions in montana copper that made him many times a millionaire found him physically robust but on the verge of soft-mindedness and suspecting this an infinite number of women tried to separate him from his money the none too savory ramifications by which ella Kay, the newspaper woman played madame de maintenon to his weakness and sent him to sea in a yacht were common property of the turgid journalism in nineteen o two he had been coasting along all too hospitable shores for five years when he turned up as james gatz's destiny in little girl bay to young gatz resting on his oars and looking up at the rail deck that yacht represented all the beauty and glamour in the world i suppose he smiled at cody he had probably discovered that people liked him when he smiled at any rate cody asked him a few questions one of them elicited the brand new name and found that he was quick and extravagantly ambitious a few days later he took him to duluth and bought him a blue coat six pairs of white duck trousers and a yachting cap and when the tuolumne left for the west indies and the barbary coast gatsby left too he was employed in a vague personal capacity while he remained with cody he was in turn steward mate skipper secretary and even jailer for dan cody sober knew what lavish doings dan cody drunk might soon be about and he provided for such contingencies by reposing more and more trust in gatsby the arrangement lasted five years during which the boat went three times around the continent it might have lasted indefinitely except for the fact that ella Kay came on board one night in boston and a week later dan cody inhospitably died i remember the portrait of him up in gadsby's bedroom a gray florid man with a hard empty face the pioneer debauchee who during one phase of american life brought back to the eastern seaboard the savage violence of the frontier brothel and saloon it was indirectly due to cody that gadsby drank so little sometimes in the course of gay parties women used to rub champagne into his hair for himself he formed the habit of letting liquor alone and it was from cody that he inherited money a legacy of twenty five thousand dollars he didn't get it he never understood the legal device that was used against him but what remained of the millions went intact to ella Kay. he was left with his singularly appropriate education the vague contour of j gatsby had filled out to the substantiality of a man he told me all this very much later but i've put it down here with the idea of exploding those first wild rumors about his antecedents which weren't even faintly true moreover he told it to me at a time of confusion when i had reached the point of believing everything and nothing about him so i take advantage of this short halt while gatsby so to speak caught his breath to clear this set of misconceptions away it was a halt too in my association with his affairs for several weeks i didn't see him or hear his voice on the phone mostly i was in new york trotting around with jordan and trying to ingratiate myself with her senile aunt but finally i went over to his house one sunday afternoon i hadn't been there two minutes when somebody brought tom buchanan in for a drink i was startled naturally but the really surprising thing was that it hadn't happened before there were a party of three on horseback tom and a man named sloan and a pretty woman in brown riding habit who had been there previously i'm delighted to see you said gatsby standing on his porch i'm delighted you dropped in as though they cared sit right down have a cigarette or a cigar he walked around the room quickly ringing bells i'll have something to drink for you in just a minute he was profoundly affected by the fact that tom was there but he would be uneasy anyhow until he had given them something realizing in a vague way that that was all they came for mr sloan wanted nothing a lemonade no thanks a little champagne 
nothing at all thanks i'm sorry did you have a nice ride very good roads around here i suppose the automobiles yeah moved by an irresistible impulse gatsby turned to tom who had accepted the introduction as a stranger i believe we've met somewhere before mr buchanan oh yes said tom gruffly polite but obviously not remembering so we did i remember very well about two weeks ago that's right you were with nick here i know your wife continued gatsby almost aggressively that's so tom turned to me you live near here nick next door that's so mr sloan didn't enter into the conversation but lounged back haughtily in his chair the woman said nothing either until unexpectedly after two highballs she became cordial we'll all come over to your party next mr gadsby she suggested what do you say certainly i'd be delighted to have you be very nice said mr sloan without gratitude well think ought to be starting home please don't hurry gadsby urged them he had control of himself now and he wanted to see more of tom why don't you why don't you stay for supper i wouldn't be surprised if some other people dropped in from new york you come to supper with me said the lady enthusiastically both of you this included me mr sloan got to his feet come along he said but to her only i mean it she insisted i'd love to have you lots of room gatsby looked at me questioningly he wanted to go and he didn't see that mr sloan had determined he shouldn't i'm afraid i won't be able to i said well you come she urged concentrating on gatsby mr sloan murmured something close to her ear we won't be late if we start now she insisted aloud i haven't got a horse said gatsby i used to ride in the army but i never bought a horse i'll have to follow you in my car excuse me for just a minute the rest of us walked out on the porch where sloan and the lady began an impassioned conversation aside my god i believe the man's coming said tom doesn't he know she doesn't want him she says she does want him she has a big dinner party and he won't know a soul there he frowned i wonder where in the devil he met daisy by god i may be old-fashioned in my ideas but women run around too much these days to suit me they meet all kinds of crazy fish suddenly mr sloan and the lady walked down the steps and mounted their horses come on said mr sloan to tom we're late we've got to go and then to me tell him we couldn't wait will you tom and i shook hands the rest of us exchanged a cool nod and they trotted quickly down the drive disappearing under the august foliage just as gatsby with hat and light overcoat in hand came out the front door tom was evidently perturbed at daisy's running round alone for on the following saturday night he came with her to gatsby's party perhaps his presence gave the evening its peculiar quality of oppressiveness it stands out in my memory from gatsby's other parties that summer there were the same people at least the same sort of people the same profusion of champagne the same many-colored many-keyed commotion but i felt an unpleasantness in the air a pervading harshness that hadn't been there before or perhaps i had merely grown used to it grown to accept west egg as a world complete in itself with its own standards and its own great figures second to nothing because it had no consciousness of being so and now i was looking at it again through daisy's eyes it is invariably saddening to look through new eyes at things upon which you have expended your own powers of adjustment they arrived at twilight and as we strolled out among the sparkling hundreds daisy's voice was playing murmurous tricks in her throat these things excite me so she whispered if you want to kiss me any time during the evening nick just let me know and i'll be glad to arrange it for you just mention my name or present a green card i'm giving out green look around suggested gadsby i'm looking around i'm having a marvelous you must see the faces of many people you've heard about tom's arrogant eyes roamed the crowd we don't go around very much he said in fact i was just thinking i don't know a soul here perhaps you know that lady 
gatsby indicated a gorgeous scarcely human orchid of a woman who sat in state under a white plum tree tom and daisy stared with that peculiarly unreal feeling that accompanies the recognition of a hitherto ghostly celebrity of the movies she's lovely said daisy the man bending over her is her director he took them ceremoniously from group to group mrs buchanan and mr buchanan after an instant's hesitation he added the polo player oh no objected tom quickly not me but evidently the sound of it pleased gatsby for tom remained the polo player for the rest of the evening i've never met so many celebrities daisy exclaimed i liked that man what was his name with the sort of blue nose gatsby identified him adding that he was a small producer well i liked him anyhow i'd a little rather not be a polo player said tom pleasantly i'd rather look at all these famous people in in oblivion daisy and gatsby danced i remember being surprised by his graceful conservative fox-trot i had never seen him dance before then they sauntered over to my house and sat on the steps for half an hour while at her request i remained watchfully in the garden in case there's a fire or a flood she explained or any act of god tom appeared from his oblivion as we were sitting down to supper together do you mind if i eat with some people over here he asked a fellow's getting off some funny stuff go ahead answered daisy genially and if you want to take down any addresses here's my little gold pencil she looked around after a moment and told me the girl was common but pretty and i knew that except for the half hour she'd been alone with gatsby she wasn't having a good time we were at a particularly tipsy table that was my fault gatsby had been called to the phone and i'd enjoyed these same people only two weeks before but what had amused me then turned septic on the air now how do you feel miss bedecker the girl addressed was trying unsuccessfully to slump against my shoulder at this inquiry she sat up and opened her eyes Wah! a massive and lethargic woman who had been urging daisy to play golf with her at a local club to-morrow spoke in miss bedecker's defence oh she's all right now when she had five or six cocktails she always starts screaming like that i tell her she ought to leave it alone i do leave it alone affirmed the accused hollowly we heard you yelling so i said to doc civet here there's somebody that needs your help doc she's much obliged i'm sure said another friend without gratitude but you got her dress all wet when you stuck her head in the pool anything i hate is to get my head stuck in a pool mumbled miss bedecker they almost drowned me once over in new jersey then you ought to leave it alone countered doc civet speak for yourself cried miss bedecker violently your hand shakes i wouldn't let you operate on me it was like that almost the last thing i remember was standing with daisy and watching the moving picture director and his star they were still under the white plum tree and their faces were touching except for a pale thin ray of moonlight between it occurred to me that he had been very slowly bending toward her all evening to attain his proximity and even while i watched i saw him stoop one ultimate degree and kiss at her cheek i like her said daisy i think she's lovely but the rest offended her and inarguably because it wasn't a gesture but an emotion she was appalled by west egg this unprecedented place that broadway had begotten upon a long island fishing village appalled by its raw vigor that chafed under the old euphemisms and by the too obtrusive fate that herded its inhabitants along a shortcut from nothing to nothing she saw something awful in the very simplicity she failed to understand i sat on the front steps with them while they waited for their car it was dark here in front only the bright door sent ten square feet of light volleying out into the soft black morning sometimes a shadow moved against a dressing-room blind above gave way to another shadow an indefinite procession of shadows who rouged and powdered in an invisible glass who is this gatsby anyhow demanded tom suddenly some big bootlegger 
where'd you hear that i inquired i didn't hear it i imagined it a lot of these newly rich people are just big bootleggers you know not gadsby i said shortly he was silent for a moment the pebbles of the drive crunched under his feet well he certainly must have strained himself to get this menagerie together a breeze stirred the gray haze of daisy's fur collar at least they are more interesting than the people we know she said with an effort you didn't look so interested well i was tom laughed and turned to me did you notice daisy's face when that girl asked her to put her under a cold shower daisy began to sing with the music in a husky rhythmic whisper bringing out a meaning in each word that it had never had before and would never have again when the melody rose her voice broke up sweetly following it in a way contralto voices have and each change tipped out a little of her warm human magic upon the air lots of people come who haven't been invited she said suddenly that girl hadn't been invited they simply forced their way in and he's too polite to object i'd like to know who he is and what he does insisted tom and i think i'll make a point of finding out i can tell you right now she answered he owns some drug stores a lot of drug stores he built them up himself the dilatory limousine came rolling up the drive good night nick said daisy her glance left me and sought the lighted top of the steps where three o'clock in the morning a neat sad little waltz of that year was drifting out the open door after all in the very casualness of gatsby's party there were romantic possibilities totally absent from her world what was it up there in the song that seemed to be calling her back inside what would happen now in the dim incalculable hours perhaps some unbelievable guest would arrive a person infinitely rare and to be marveled at some authentically radiant young girl who with one fresh glance at gatsby one moment of magical encounter would blot out those five years of unwavering devotion i stayed late that night gatsby asked me to wait until he was free and i lingered in the garden until the inevitable swimming party had run up chilled and exalted from the black beach until the lights were extinguished in the guest-rooms overhead when he came down the steps at last the tanned skin was drawn unusually tight on his face and his eyes were bright and tired she didn't like it he said immediately of course she did she didn't like it he insisted she didn't have a good time he was silent and i guessed at his unutterable depression i feel far away from her he said it's hard to make her understand you mean about the dance the dance he dismissed all the dances he had given with a snap of his fingers old sport the dance is unimportant he wanted nothing less of daisy than that she should go to tom and say i never loved you after she had obliterated four years with that sentence they could decide upon the more practical measures to be taken one of them was that after she was free they were to go back to louisville and be married from her house just as if it were five years ago and she doesn't understand he said she used to be able to understand we'd sit for hours he broke off and began to walk up and down the desolate path of fruit rinds and discarded favors and crushed flowers i wouldn't ask too much of her i ventured you can't repeat the past can't repeat the past he cried incredulously why of course you can he looked around him wildly as if the past were lurking here in the shadow of his house just out of reach of his hand i'm going to fix everything just the way it was before he said nodding determinedly she'll see he talked a lot about the past and i gathered that he wanted to recover something some idea of himself perhaps that had gone into loving daisy his life had been confused and disoriented since then but if he could once return to a certain starting place and go over it all slowly he could find out what that thing was one autumn night five years before they had been walking down the street when the leaves were falling and they came to a place where there were no trees and the sidewalk was white with moonlight they stopped here and turned toward each other now it was a cool night with that mysterious excitement in it which comes at the two changes of the year 
the quiet lights in the houses were humming out into the darkness and there was a stir and bustle among the stars out of the corner of his eye gatsby saw that the blocks of the sidewalks really formed a ladder and mounted to a secret place above the trees he could climb to it if he climbed alone and once there he could suck on the pap of life gulp down the incomparable milk of wonder his heart beat faster as daisy's white face came up to his own he knew that when he kissed this girl and forever wed his unutterable visions to her perishable breath his mind would never romp again like the mind of god so he waited listening for a moment longer to the tuning fork that had been struck upon a star then he kissed her at his lips touch she blossomed for him like a flower and the incarnation was complete through all he said even through his appalling sentimentality i was reminded of something an elusive rhythm a fragment of lost words that i had heard somewhere a long time ago for a moment a phrase tried to take shape in my mouth and my lips parted like a dumb man's as though there was more struggling upon them than a wisp of startled air but they made no sound and what i had almost remembered was uncommunicable forever End of chapter six bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.